Today's gospel, new, excuse me, New Testament lesson comes from the book of Acts. And, and we reading in the 10th chapter, verses 44 through 48. And really what happened is we're, we're jumping in right here in the middle um, of a story. The Holy Spirit interrupts us in the middle of the story. And this is four powerful lines um, that we have here this morning. But before we read, let's go through a little bit of backstory of where we are and how we got to the point of where we are in the book of Acts. Really, the whole book of Acts recounts stories of the early church picking up steam and people wrestling with questions of identity and hospitality. Um, really, this entire book, it goes through this countless times of people standing there scratching their heads trying to figure out strategic plans, um, time, trying to, to work and to, to, make, to test things out, to determine where it is that they are going um, as a church, where they should go as a family of faith. And it's countless times that there the Spirit of God is on the move and it comes down and it reaches the people and interrupts every single thing that they were trying to figure out what to do. But here in chapter 10 is no different. Chapter 10, God has spoken to this man named Cornelius. Cornelius, who is described as a God-fearer. Now, what God-fearer basically means is, is that he wasn't Jewish, but he was a person of faith. It's sort of maybe what we would say, he's spiritual, but not religious. And so God goes to Cornelius. When, God, when Cornelius is praying, he says, you need to find this guy named Simon, Simon Peter. Unknowing why he needs to do it, Cornelius sends out people to go find Simon Peter. In the meantime, Simon Peter is also having a prayer of his own. His prayer is a little bit different. It's about eating foods that up to this point Peter wasn't allowed to eat. He doesn't take anything, but in that prayer that God keeps coming, he says, yeah, it's okay to eat. You sure? Yes, it's okay to eat. Yeah, you sure? You sure? Yes, yes. And then uh, the food just vanishes. But then, right then, Cornelius' men come to Simon Peter and say, hey, you need to come with us. Say, well, I really wouldn't, but because I had this dream yesterday, I'll go with you. And he gets to Simon Cornelius' house and says, look, I shouldn't really be here. It's unlawful for me to be here, and we really aren't supposed to contact. You were a Gentile, I am a Jew. He says, but with this dream I had, I'm just going to do it. And then Cornelius says, well, you know what? Will you preach to us? Tell us about your God. And right there, Peter becomes the supply pulpit preacher for the day. And, and he begins to preach. And halfway through his sermon, the Holy Spirit interrupts him. Almost as to say, enough of this. And this is where we pick up on our text this morning. Before we read that, will you join me in prayer? Oh God, as we come to your word, we are asked for you to pour your Holy Spirit on us. That we may see your word. And see where it is that you are calling us as a church. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Again, our lesson, New Testament lesson this morning comes from Acts, the 10th chapter, verses 44 through 48. I invite you now to listen to the word of our Lord. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and installing God. Then Peter said, Can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? 
So, he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they invited him to stay for several days. Friends, this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. I grew up in a southern black tradition, church, where Easter was the opportunity to don on your best outfits. This is what Esau McCoy wrote in a recent New York Times article. The, the yellow and the red dresses and the dark suits set against the black and brown bodies of our church were a thing to behold. A beautiful sight. The hats of the grandmas and the, the deacons' wives jostled with one another for attention. The choir had the best music rehearsed and ready to go and getting to sing a solo at Easter was singing like at, at the Apollo. I watched rather than participate in these festivities during most of my youth. I, I didn't have the money or the social standing to, to really attract much attention, but this one year, one year, my mother cobbled together enough money Enough money to, for us to purchase a brand new blue, navy blue three-piece suit and a clip-on tie. Without my father-in-law, my mother and I didn't know how to tie a tie, so we got the clip-on tie. And I, and I thought I had joined the elite when I showed up with a, on, uh, fresh and clean on that Sunday Easter morning. The feeling didn't last long, though. During a song, a woman sitting next to me with one of those aforementioned hats got excited, and, and our tradition called it, she caught the Holy Spirit in this ecstatic state. She kicked out her leg, her heel, heel, heel leading the way, hits my leg, caught my pants, and rips a hole right into my brand new suit. For a lot of Christians, the talk about the Holy Spirit is scary. Not because we fear the Holy Spirit getting a hold of somebody beside us and, and kicking a hole in our suit. Not, not in our little tradition anyways. We don't fear that. We fear the Holy Spirit, I believe, because we're not too sure what to make of it. And that theology, that theology of not really knowing what to make of the Holy Spirit, actually to me makes a lot of of sense. As we just talked about, throughout the entire uh, book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is on the move, not only distinguishing, disrupting plans along the way, but the Holy Spirit seems to be breaking down barriers. This is evident in our story this morning, as it leaves everyone astonished that was there. With, with their mouths wide open in amazement that the Holy Spirit was able to kick, rip a hole into a barrier that separated Cornelius, this Roman commander who is both Gentile and a member of the army, an army that kept the Jews from restoring God's promise. How can the Holy Spirit kick, rip a hole wide open between this man and Simon Peter, a Jew who admittedly says, it is unlawful for me to even step into your house, much less associate with you? Maybe the question for us in 2021 is, 
How do we know? How do we know when these ripping holes that's disrupting our lives is that of our own disruption and destructive versus the inbreaking presence of God? To answer this question, let us first start with the word receive. Sam Wells is a victor of St. Martin in the field. He's written about this word receive. He says, when we begin with receive, it makes absolutely clear that God is not a poodle. The Holy Spirit comes according to his own calendar, not our calendar. Thus, the Holy Spirit is not a puppy that we can train or that we can walk or that we can, say, sit or, or lie down when we shout out the right command. Instead, maybe we should think of ourselves as the puppy, waiting with our tails wagging in excitement and anticipation of joy. But when the Holy Spirit breaks into our house and calls us by name, what we remind, what we have to remind ourselves is, is that we cannot dictate how the Holy Spirit will act in the world, much less our church. A number of years ago, there's a small congregation, about 15 people in a socially disadvantaged part of eastern England. A visitor came to church one day, and because there are only about 15 members of the church, they could spot a visitor really well. But this visitor had a really fixed notion on what it meant to be church. And he found out that the, servicing, the service that he just attended was very confusing. The pastor uh, of the, this church followed scripture in the passage very closely. The church had candles at the altar. They sang just really simple choruses led by a guitar, and the, the minister wore the traditional vestments. The visitor stayed afterwards with a little frown on his face, and he asked the pastor, you know, what kind of church are you all anyways? Overhearing the conversation, huggy. A church member uh, who had been a member of the church for a really long time. He's one of these types of people that everyone knew because he held several jobs throughout the town, but he also knew quite a bit about unemployment. He was universally recognized not only because he weighed over 250 pounds, but it's because everyone loved him, hence the name Huggy. Overhearing this visitor's question, Huggy yells across the sanctuary, open to God, open to God. You want to know what kind of church we are? We're open to God. This is what it means to receive the Holy Spirit. In Huggy's image of a church, the church didn't have to have preconceived ideas of what God was up to or what God could or could not do. To be the church, we have to be open. Open to what God is doing. The book of Acts takes us through a series of series of encounters with people who challenge what the Holy Spirit can or can't do. First, it starts off with this eunuch, an Ethiopian eunuch. A Gentile man who's mutilated, but in a very wrong way. And he comes into the kingdom. 
and they shake their hands, the heads, asking why. How can this man, this eunuch, come into the kingdom? And then there's Paul. He starts off being Saul. We know him later as Paul. Paul is this holier-than-now persecutor of Christians who literally, for the first part of Acts, killed Christians. With heads shaken, he comes into the kingdom. And then there's Cornelius. Cornelius is in our passage this morning, this Roman commander who's been fighting with the Jews his entire life trying to prevent the Jews to see the promises of God, and then he enters into the kingdom too. With people shaking their heads, but also shaking their heads out of amazement. How does God do it? Perhaps not only the amazement of how God brings these people into the kingdom, but how does God open the eyes of the others to welcome them into the kingdom? How is God making us whole? Each of these times, it began with the Holy Spirit. Tearing open the boundaries of the church. Which leads us to the second word. Help us decipher the question. Is this a new idea that's brought on by the Holy Spirit that's disrupting our plans? Or is this just some half-baked idea of our own? And that second word is transformation. Another way of saying transformation is becoming whole. In the world of pastors right now, and all the conversations that we hear and the articles that we hear, churches around the globe are all working hard to cobble together everything they can to, to put on their brand new suit of clothes to wear. New protocols, new air filtration systems, new websites, new streaming devices, new gatherings, new programs, new outreach that will meet, that will hit the people in the immediate neighborhood and those on the outside, new ways to bring in young people, new ways to bring in the members who are always here in the past, new LED screens. Churches are feeling the call and the pressure to not only reopen, but to be fresh and new. As you all know by now, I am not opposed to trying anything new, up to which some of the session members right now are probably shouting, Amen to that, brother. I will hear you. Maybe the Holy Spirit will kick them in right now, too. But, but here's the clue. Here's the clue into doing something new at church. Are we becoming whole? Whole with God, whole with the community, and whole with ourselves. If we are not being transformed, that new idea that we have, as good as it may be, is our idea. It's probably not on the calendar of the Holy Spirit. Really what I believe with all my soul is that we all yearn 
deep down for things to be whole. Whole with ourselves and whole with our lives. We, we know things are not whole right now. We, it doesn't take us long to look around. It doesn't take us too long to look into our internal self to know that things are not whole at all. <clears throat> and we're actually pretty good at mess, messing things up, making sort of a mess in our lives. And we, and we make a mess in our lives thinking that we're doing this for God and with God. And then we wonder, how is this all going to work out? How will God take the mess that we have made and bring us all back together as a whole body of Christ? The answer, the answer to this question is evident in Peter's question. Can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? God makes us whole by pouring the Holy Spirit around the world and then inviting us all to get sloppy wet in the waters of Jesus' baptism. Making us whole with the world around us. Starting first with God calling us by name. Father Greg Bull, who we have mentioned here before, he started that organization, you may recall, Homeboy Industries, <clears throat> where he works with gang members and transitions out of gang life. Uh, before he began work with gangs, he was a teacher at one of the toughest L.A. schools. And on his first day of Laura High School, he was scared, so scared that he, he went to one of the classrooms of a veteran teacher to ask for advice. What do I need to do on this first day? And she gave him two pieces of advice. She said, she said first, know all the names by tomorrow. All the names. And second, it is a lot more important that they know you more than they know what you know. Bull carried his advice with him throughout his ministry and into the gangs, working while working with gangs. One day, he was at a camp, and a kid approaches him, so full of swagger and pose. And what's your name? Bull asked. Sniper, the kid replies. Okay, I'm pretty sure... You weren't born, and your mother held you up and looked at you and said, oh, let's call him Sniper. <laughs> so come on, what's your name? Gonzalez, he relentlessly says. Okay, so look, everybody else on the staff here is okay with calling you your last name, but I'm not down with that. Tell me, what does your mom call you? Tabrone, he replied with a little bit of a slight flicker. Of innocence, but Bull presses on. Come on, come on. Tell me, tell me about your birth certificate. Think about your birth certificate. What's on your birth certificate? And the kid softens a little bit, almost to an embarrassment. It's this sort of newfound vulnerability. Napoleon, he says. Wow. Wow, that's a fine and noble name, very historic name, but I'm almost positive, I'm almost positive when your mom calls you, she does not call you at the whole nine yards. Come on, come on, what does your mom call you? Then I watched Bull writes, 
I, I watched him go some far off place, some distance place far, far away, in some place that he has not visited in some time, and his voice changes. His posture changes. His language alters. Sometimes he sits really quietly. Sometimes when my mom is not mad at me, she calls me Nepito. I watched this kid move, transform from Sniper to Gonzalez, Abram, to Napoleon, and then Pito. We all just want to be called by the name that our mom calls us, and she's not mad at us. If that is not atonement, if that is not at one minute, if that is not salvation, if that is not the holy, tender work of God in Christ, pouring down the Holy Spirit, making us whole, I do not know what is. And it all starts with the Holy Spirit pointing to Jesus in the womb. Which leads us to the third word. Believe. Going back to Sam Wells. <clears throat> Sam Wells uses the word, instead of using transform, he uses the word becoming. And so if we take the B out of becoming, B-E out of becoming, and the C out of receive, and add an L in there for the love of God, uh, we come up with the word believe. Do we believe in Jesus Christ? crucified and risen, incarnate on earth and ascended into heaven, the Son of God, the Son of Man. More specifically, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, do we believe that the Holy Spirit is ripping holes in all of our barriers pointing to Jesus? I believe this is what the Holy Spirit does. I believe this is what the Holy Spirit is always up to and has always been up to. No matter the situation, the Holy Spirit is about one thing and one thing only. Making Jesus present. If the new idea that we have is not pointing to Jesus Christ, Son of God, then this is our clue that this new idea was not from the Holy Spirit. When we reflect on the Holy Spirit, I wonder, I wonder what about the Holy Spirit makes us the most uncomfortable? Is it receiving part? Is it the receiving part for us individually, for us as a church family? Perhaps for some of us, perhaps for us as a church. I don't know. 
We find it hard to be on the receiving side of things. We like to be the givers. We find that we don't like surprises. That we prefer to be in control. And besides, maybe, maybe we just like the way that things are and don't want anything new. Or, or is it for others of us, maybe for our church, that we struggle with believing? We actually find trying new ideas is very inviting and life-giving. And we yearn to be part of a community that is getting their hands dirty, working for the betterment of our world and our community. However, if we're honest with ourselves, we find the details about Jesus Elusive. Or maybe, maybe for others of us, maybe for our church, we struggle with becoming. Because we like that Jesus is doing new things in our individual lives, new things in our church, but we struggle with that part that turns us into participating in the community and making us disciples. Wherever it is that you find yourself this morning, I invite you to do one thing. One thing only. Remember your baptism. Seriously. Afterwards, come and, and touch the water. Put a cross on your forehead. It's in our baptism, after all. That God has already poured out the Holy Spirit on you. Brought you into a community of believers. And is calling you by name. Tearing holes in all the barriers that we've set. And pointing to Jesus. He was there ready to answer any questions that you have. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.